It's time for Girl Boner Radio with August McLaughlin. A spicy blend of personal stories, in-depth reporting and inspiration. Girl Boner is where good girls go for sexual empowerment. Listen in as August McLaughlin, award-winning health and sexuality writer, explores female sexual pleasure like no one else. She's the big sister slash girlfriend you've always wanted and she loves to talk sex. Only on Global Voice Broadcasting. There are many unpleasant ways to wake up, but orgasming is not one of them. Welcome back to Girl Boner Radio, where good girls go for sexual empowerment. I'm your host, August McLaughlin, and we are going to talk about what I like to call sleepgasms today, then bring in a truly inspiring guest who is changing people's lives in some pretty special and orgasmic ways. So have you ever had one of those orgasms that wake you up? They are so delicious, in my opinion. I mean, like a totally hands-free orgasm, right? I mean, maybe in your mind, your dreams, you were being touched, but it it just proves to me that we probably could think our way to climax. If you haven't had one, that's perfectly okay, too. You may also have had one without waking up. Um, I receive lots of questions and emails from listeners and blog readers, which I adore. Thank you. I read them all. So if you haven't heard from me, it doesn't mean I haven't read it. I really do read them all, and I try to reply um, as often as I can. They're always insightful. I've learned a lot from you guys. You bring up some awesome questions and points, and there's so much bold honesty. Since writing about sleepgasms on my blog a while ago, sometime last year, I think, I've heard from many women with questions about them. Two of these fabulous gals gave me permission to answer their questions on the air today. The first one comes from, you know, we're going to call her T. Dear August, she writes, I am in my mid-teens and last night I believe I experienced a sleepgasm. I woke up really distressed and upset after I woke before I just started crying. The dream caused the crying in the first place. I was in the dream performing oral on my best friend before we moved on to actual intercourse. My best guy friend who has a girlfriend. I don't know if this means I'm sick for having the dream in the first place or for having it when he has a girlfriend and I've never seen him in that way before, and I still sort of don't. It was that dream that just opened up the possibility of his of his is a male and fairly attractive, but I'm really not that interested in him as more than my best friend. It would just be so weird. Sorry if this sounds strange, but if you can give me a little knowledge on what caused it all, I would be really grateful. Thank you. Signed, Thank you, T, for your lovely note. Let me start by saying that there is nothing strange or sick about you for having these experiences. I'm going to repeat that. There is nothing strange or sick about you at all for having these experiences. You know what I think they show? I think they show that you're a caring young woman whose body is beautifully, naturally, healthfully, and totally normally sexual. It's completely normal to have sexual dreams and to have sexual dreams that involve people we're not necessarily attracted to in in real life. Having a dream, you know, that we did have sex with someone who's not our partner doesn't mean necessarily that we're lusting after them at all. You could have those thoughts. Let's say you just thought of your friend right before bed. Those thoughts are in your mind, right? They could just mix with your body's natural desires that are swirling around. And when you're in your teens, your hormones are all over the place. It's completely, completely normal. So so really, just give yourself a big hug and know that, first of all, you're brave for reaching out. And second of all, 
there's nothing wrong with you. Does that make sense? Get this. About 8% of dreams involve some sort of sexy activity. That's according to study um, conducted by the University of Montreal which also showed that women and men have sexy dreams with equal frequency. Um, Psychologist and author Ian Wallace said this about dreams. All dreams, even sex dreams, he said, can be easily connected to things going on in your life, and every character in your dream represents a small snippet of your personality. So, in other words, T, this this friend of yours is probably a part of your personality, a special part of your life, and that's totally cool. doesn't mean he ever needs to be more than that or that you have desire for more than that. Our next email comes from a woman I am going to call Sexy in Her 60s, or S for short. Our Sexy S writes, I'm fascinated with the topic of nocturnal orgasms in women. I started having them when I turned 50. I'm now 61. And... Then I was beginning menopause. I'd never experienced one before. The only type I'd ever had before was induced by actual clitoral stimulation. And I didn't believe that there was such a thing as vaginal orgasm. Oh, my goodness. I'm so glad you learned otherwise. I thought that this is her again. I thought they were perhaps a result of less estrogen and more testosterone due to menopause. It was perhaps the only plus side of menopause, she said. I'm still having them at least once a month, and there doesn't seem to be a reason. They don't occur when I'm feeling particularly sexy. I can go for weeks without having one and then have three in one night or one night consecutively for three nights. The thing I find most strange is the orgasm I had when I was about 11 and was running late for school. I was terrified of the bus driver leaving without me. And as I was running to the to catch the bus, I had an explosive orgasm. Wow, how interesting. Uh, when I have a nocturnal orgasm, it is often accompanied by a dream that I'm running late. Isn't that interesting how our childhood experiences, you know, stay with us? Um, she continues, the orgasm begins, followed quickly by the dream. Uh, she believes that the orgasm triggers the dream, um, perhaps some way of her brain explaining what happened. She finishes saying, the intensity of the orgasm always wakes me, and they are all of extreme intensity no matter how many times a night it occurs. It's lovely to be able to talk to another woman on the subject. I'd be interested in hearing your feedback. I am right there with you, sexy. I also uh, have experienced more nightgasms, sleepgasms, wet dreams, uh, in adulthood more in this decade. I'm in my 30s, and I have them more now than I did in my in my 20s. Um, I think there can be so many different reasons. Um, I obviously haven't reached menopause yet, but I do think there could be something to, to hormonal shifts, but not just because of testosterone necessarily. Um, I don't think estrogen gets enough credit for the role it plays in sexuality and sex drive or our emotions, which play a huge role in sexuality for for women, uh, it's really important to know that we are just as arousable as men. We have, you know, more factors. I think culturally working against us. And as you said, there's so much lacking knowledge. Like if you don't know that a certain type of sexuality or you know a, a type of orgasm exists for you, or if you believe you can't have an orgasm, for example, you probably won't. So here's what I think happens over time which may or may not be the case for you. But I think our attitudes about our bodies, uh, our increased comfort with ourselves, which hopefully we gain over time, play a huge role in these sexy dreams. It's a common myth that sex drive and kind of our sexual capability fades over time. 
uh, there's another huge myth that women peak sexually in their 30s, which has been debunked, but I still hear it all the time. I can't even tell you. I hear women saying, I'm in my 30s. I should be having more sex than ever, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's just thrown out as this factoid, which isn't even true. I actually wrote about it in my first Huffington Post article, which you can find on my website if you're interested. But regardless, I think it's really important to know that wet dreams and sleepgasms, as I like to call them, are normal. And heck, they're fun. I mean, what a fun and enjoyable way to wake up. I think it's I think it's something to really embrace, whether we have them or not. Um, and I'm going to share now just the five facts about female sleepgasms and wet dreams that I shared on my blog back then. Just a few highlights for those of you who missed the post or just want to learn a little bit more. Number one, they're common. They're really common. Even back in the 1950s when there was almost no research on sexuality at all, you know, we're talking like Masters of Sex uh, time era, Research conducted by one of the first sexuality scientists named um, Alfred Kinsey showed that many women have them regularly, which says a lot because that was based on women telling them, admitting to having them. So you know that there were more who just didn't admit to having them or didn't realize it. Number two, they tend to be recurrent. So makes a lot of sense, you know, that uh, that you, S, would have recurrent uh, dreams of that nature. I think also, you know, when we're think, what we think about plays a role. I've noticed I have more of them since having this show because, you know, at night I'll be like getting ready for a show or I'm like, I was watching this um, TED talk on orgasms and there's this one woman who orgasmed every time she brushed her teeth. Every time, which is so fascinating, right? You should find that TED Talk. There's a link on my blog if you look for the sleepgasm post. But regardless, you know, whatever we're thinking about, it can surface in a very physiological way. Um, number three, these dreams and sleepgasms, they tend to start early. Just like boys, many girls experience wet dreams during puberty. Did you learn that? I didn't learn that. I remember learning about boys' wet dreams and, you know, I... Like, because that's a really big deal when you hear about that. You mean they have dreams and they wake up with, you know, I guess they didn't call them woodies or hard-ons and I can't remember. Uh, but I remember that there was this fear of boys talking. You know, they would say that they were – they would have these experiences where – and I hear it in hindsight, they'll remember their youth and say that it was a really scary thing that, you know, they wake up having had a wet dream – so there's no way that so many girls – imagine if you're a girl and you have one, you wake up and you think you peed your pants or you wake up having an orgasm having no idea what the heck that was, you know? And I guess that's – all of that's pretty common. So Dr. Laura Berman, who I really love, recommends uh, discussing nighttime orgasms if you have a daughter uh, by the time she reaches like the fifth grade, which makes sense, right? Because you want you want her to know that – if this happens, it's okay because as soon as we have shame about something, you know, it starts to eat it away at our self-embracement and that's not a good thing. Number four, you may not realize you've had them. This makes sense, right? Because they don't all wake us up. We may have them every night. Who the heck knows? And if we do, that's totally okay. And number five, there's no shame in having or not having them. You know, sexy dreams, whether they're wet, dry, you know, Whatever they involve, they can be a great outlet for our expression of our sexuality. I think it's really important to know that whatever we are experiencing erotically during the day or night, it's okay. And if you do feel shame about something, I think it's really, really important to explore that. You know, talk to somebody about it. Ask yourself why it's bothering you. Is it bothering you because you feel that other people would think you're weird? You know, is it? 
Are you hurting anybody with what you're experiencing? All those questions are important to ask. Next, I have our very special guest joining us by phone. Stephanie Berman is the creator of The Semenette, a novelty sex aid product that allows partners to mimic traditional intercourse and get pregnant in the privacy of their own home in a really beautiful, intimate way uh, through its proprietary inner tubing and pump system, recreating the ejaculatory process, which is so cool. Um, it's made in the USA. It's uh, made of premium medical-grade silicone. It's non-toxic, which we love. And it was nominated for some fabulous awards, the XBiz Awards. Uh, for Couples Sex Toy of the Year and Specialty Pleasure Product of the Year. So fascinating. Thank you for joining me, Stephanie. How are you doing? I'm doing good, thanks. Thanks for having me on. I'm so thrilled to have you. Your your product and company are just so um, revolutionary, I think. Could you tell us what was your inspiration for creating the Semenet? Absolutely. Um, so I've been, um, I have a family business that I've worked in for the past 11 years, which is something that I also do. Um, it specializes in women's reproductive health. So um, I've had a, a bit of a background in helping couples conceive in more of the medical sense. And when my wife and I got married, we, you know, we were very confident that we wanted to have a family and started looking into the ways that we would be able to do this at home. We didn't have the financial means to go to a doctor's office, and it wasn't really something that was, you know, of interest to us. So we started looking and realized that our options were either a needleless syringe or actually using a turkey baster. And sometimes people say to me, do people really use a turkey baster? And the answer is yes. I actually know a lot of women that have used it, and they have used it successfully. The issue for us was that, as you can imagine, using a turkey baster or a syringe is uh, extremely not sexy uh, in the slightest, and, um, you know, that was our experience. And so I was dedicated to figuring out something better for us. So I kind of, you know, hit the ground running and tried to think about what would be able to, still something that would be able to simulate the ejaculation, sort of like the same feature that a syringe or a turkey baster would do, but in a much more intimate way. And that is how the semenet was created. Wow. that is It's so fascinating to me, and I'm glad that you explained about the turkey baster, because I actually thought when I read an article uh, about your product, some the writer had written something about the turkey baster, and I thought it was a joke. Like, I didn't even realize... <laughs> You know, I had and no idea. Yeah, a lot of people don't, they, they like they're saying, there's no way that someone's actually using a turkey baster. But it really, I mean, and that's, that's the option that same-sex couples have. And it wow. does work. I'm not saying it doesn't work, but it's awful. You know, you can imagine using a turkey baster. There's nothing fun or sexy about it. Sure, of course. So... And pardon my naivete in this area, because I i don't know any about, anything about actually... Um, a very little bit about in vitro, like some of the more, you know, conventional medical ways that you were talking about that are more expensive. But do you actually, so do you still go to a sperm bank or can anybody kind of donate sperm? Is are, is that regulated? Um, yes. So you, the options for obtaining sperm would be to go to a sperm bank or to use a known donor. So my wife and I actually used a known donor. He used uh, a friend of my wife's and he's married to his partner. And we, you know, again, it's, there's still so many things that are involved when same-sex couples are trying to conceive. Um, so, you know, we had to go through the process of thinking about 
who we might want to be the donor and then have that kind of awkward conversation like, hey, you know, do you mind giving us your sperm? <laughs> but, um, you know, it worked out amazing. He's an incredible guy. And so in terms of the regulation piece, um, you know, with using a known donor, there's definitely things that have to be considered. We had a legal contract drawn up. We had all of the, you know, genetic testing and blood work and all those things. So it's kind of a, there's pros and cons to doing it either way. You know, the pro for using a known donor is also, you know, the sperm is, is essentially, it's free other than, you know, the legal work and the, the testing that they have to undergo. Um, the sperm is free and sperm from a sperm bank is definitely going to be a little bit more costly, but they do all of the, you know, the background check and all of the other legwork for you. So it's kind of personal preference. Interesting. And as I understand it, you have used it successfully yourself. Is that right? I, my wife and I successfully conceived our daughter on our second try using um, my product. So I got a prototype, and we were obviously eager to try it out. And on our second try, it, it actually worked. And that was kind of the aha moment for me. Like, you know, when you're – I never envisioned myself as being an inventor by any means. Um, you know, it's not what I went to school for, but – I think that's one of the things that's unique and sort of, um, for me, it, it, I think part of the story is that I saw a problem and I, I found a way to fix it. And I think as a lesson to other people, you know, there's, if you see a problem and you, you know, have the motivation and the drive to, to be able to find a solution, it's a, it's a pretty cool at the end of the day to be able to have a success story like I do. My daughter just turned a year old, so it's, it's pretty wonderful. Congratulations. That is huge and, and happy birthday to her. What a what a neat uh, story. And the second time, I mean, it just seems like I'm sure a lot of time and effort went in, but the fact that it all, you know, pieced together, what great affirmations that you were on this 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 great track. Um, so I I heard that it is helping other couples as well beyond lesbian couples. Could you explain that? Absolutely. And um, so and that's sort of when I invented the product, it was really I had only had the vision of same sex couples using this. And then when I started to, you know, really ramp up and do more research and bring this out to sex toy retailers, I started, you know, understanding that there was so many other communities that this would be helpful for. So um, just to name a few, the transgender community, um, men with erectile dysfunction or disabilities, um, they're all supporters. Um, serodiscordant couples where one or both partners are HIV positive. Um, and those are sort of the more what we would call the medical uh, uses for this toy. But then you also have just simply the pleasure aspect of it. So, you know, the fetish aspect, the kink world, the pegging community, um, swingers. There's this whole other different aspect inside of the toy that um, I've actually gotten a lot of support from. So it, it's really amazing how much I've learned just in the process as well and how many people are looking for an ejaculating dildo. It was, it was <laughs> an education unto itself. Who knew? That is awesome. I love that. That's so yep. funny. And they're really enticing. Like just looking at the pictures, you know, it's it's very alluring. Like I was like, ooh, these look fun. Like It actually is a very yeah. <laughs> appealing, appealing looking toy. And I know you've received tons of support, like you said, from people and communities you didn't even anticipate. Uh, you've also received some criticism, which I think happens whenever you're doing something groundbreaking. And I I can certainly relate on some level, uh, but how have you dealt with some of the criticism from others? Um, you know, it's 
it's kind of been a learning curve for me. Um, you know, I've with all of the support, it's been uh, humbling and amazing um, with all of the support. And then, you know, the criticism, I mean, I think, you know, it's like you said, there's going to be criticism with pretty much everything that's new to market. And, you know, the challenge that I'm sort of facing is, you know, people will say, well, I don't like the colors or I don't like how realistic it is. And I, I have gotten some criticism mostly from the lesbian community saying that, you know, how could you be a lesbian and create something that looks like a penis? And, you know, my answer is that I'm so open to people's feedback and that's what makes me a better businesswoman and it's what's going to make my product better. So I'm really open to it. Um, and, you know, I, I really try, I'm trying now to evolve the product to meet those, uh, you know, meet the demands and the um, the desires of people that have expressed different interests. So the communities that want the different colors or want the non-salad looking shape. So, you know, for me, the criticism, I mean, when it, when it starts to get personal and some of that stuff, I've had to kind of learn to develop a little bit of a thicker skin, which I'm still working on. But in terms of the criticism for my product, I'm so, I, I view it as uh, learning and education for me, and it's only going to make me better at the end of the day. What a great attitude to have. I think that's really inspiring. And again, takeaways for, for all of us, you know, to to be able to hear people's criticism and hear what could be helpful versus, you know, what's coming from a good place and all of that. And then responding, that's huge. Uh, we talk a lot in the show about uh, embracing ourselves, embracing our sexuality. I think it's a struggle for Many people, uh, probably most women, to embrace their sexuality and their and their whole selves. It's a it's a life process for many of us, and especially when we're not in the you know conventional or or I don't know what the the word would be. I guess the um, straight couple idea of what a couple should be or parents and whatnot. And I think it's so wonderful that you are um, out there as an inspiring, you know, not only a, have a wonderful product, but as a person, you seem like a wonderful role model. Uh, do you have any advice for anybody who feels like they don't fit into the, quote, normal box as far as their, their selves, how they identify their sexuality? You know, it's a, that's a, it's a loaded question. Um, I think for, you know, for me, um, I mean, it's just about just embracing our all of our weird quirks and, you know, everyone has them. I mean, we're no one person is alike. And um, I think when you can sort of take a step back and, you know, just really uh, highlight and focus on all of the amazing qualities that each person has. And, you know, for me, putting myself out there in this way, um, it's, it's made me very vulnerable. Um, but I think it, it's given me the confidence to sort of say, you know, like, even though I'm a lesbian woman and I'm in a fairly male-dominated industry, it's almost empowering. You know, I don't look at my flaws or, um, you know, anything like that as being a negative. I embrace them. And, you know, I'm a, a, it's actually funny. I had long hair for as long as I can remember. And when I, I got married to my wife and I had always wanted to cut my hair short. And so, she was like, go for it and just do it. And the it's so interesting to see how people receive me when I had the long hair and now when I have the short hair. I get called sir probably on a daily basis. Really? Um, and it used to really bother me, but now I just sort of, I kind of laugh it off. And I think that's just, I think if there's any lesson for people, it's just to kind of embrace it and be confident in it. And don't let that small stuff bother you. You know, at the end of the day that, 
you know, if you're doing the right things and, and you're a good person, it doesn't really matter what any of that negative feedback is going to, you know, it, it just doesn't matter for you. Excellent advice. That is so true. I'm right there with you. And uh, leading, you know, by example, embracing ourselves is such a huge way to change, you know, the way that that people might ridicule or judge us for sure. And so much of that comes from, you know, it's usually not about us. It's about them, you know, their their perception. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, you had mentioned about embracing our sexuality and whatnot. And I think, and that's the thing I've learned uh, an incredible education. I mean, I never knew that there was anything called the pegging community. I didn't even know what pegging was. But, you know, the more that I am open to learning, it just, again, I feel like it just makes me a more well-rounded person. I don't, you know, I'm not here to judge anyone, just as I wouldn't want someone to judge me for my sexual choices. And I think that, um, you know, it's it's just about embracing sex positivity and, you know, just being comfortable in your skin, no matter what you choose to do. Amen. Thank you so much. That is wonderful advice we can all learn from. And what's the best way to order or learn more about your product? So the website is the best way. The website is www.thedemonet.com. You can order online. All of our information is on there. We have some videos. So that would be the best place to go. Thank you so much again, Stephanie, for joining me. I wish you all the best. Again, to learn more about this fascinating product or place an order, go to thesemanet.com. You can also find the company on Twitter, at thesemanet. So how do you all feel about sleepgasms? Did you know that girls and women have wet dreams? What do you think of the product, about the Steamanette, and about what Stephanie's doing with her work? I just think it's so fabulous. You just never know what might happen when you put your dreams out there. And like she said, think about solutions you know, to problems, and, and don't let anybody tell you that your quirks make you anything less. Um, I would love to hear from you. Join me in the whole Girl Boner community online, on Facebook, Twitter, and through my blog. Links are available at AugustMcLaughlin.com. I will be sharing some fun news on my blog soon, so definitely stay tuned. And be sure to join me next week as we debunk more sex myths and explore controversial findings about porn addiction that recently came out with one of my favorite guests, one of my favorite Girl Boner Radio experts, Gabe Deem. Thanks so much for listening, y'all, and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week.